Previously on the best bits, best Star Trek scene. We don't have much time. Ensign Deadman, you take a look at the lingerie section, see if anything would fit me. Oi, oi, Captain. Are we breaking the Prime Directive by being in pennies? We are. It's also 1986. Oh, shit. He's dead, Will. Let's get out of here before we get rounded up as two whales. <laughs> well, at least we can save the future twice. Podbot, two to beam up. <laughs> Dead man to Podbooth, come in. Over. Dead man to Podbot. Captain, anybody? Well, this is just fucking shite. What am I gonna do less than 1986? What am I gonna do this? It's not over. What am I gonna do left in 1986? Just you wait. You dirty liners. Ensign Deadman, you take a look at the lingerie section, see if anything would fit me. Aye aye, Captain. Podbot, two to beam up. <laughs> it tickles. Well, Kevin, did you ever get deja vu? I've ordered it a few times. I, I love isn't chicken flavor. Ticket chicken deja vu. Just beautiful. Will. Yes. Do you forget deja vu? I do, yeah. I have ordered it a few times. That's so strange. I've just got it right there. That's so weird. I feel like I've done this before. Let's get into it. Why not? What else are we going to do? Right? Yeah, fuck that shit. Fuck that. The best bit. I'll use small words that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog thing. But this is just fucking shite. What am I gonna do left in 1986? Oh, I know. I get my revenge. Revenge. Don't call me stupid. Hello and welcome to The Best Bits, a movie podcast where we pick our favourite scenes from randomly selected, weirdly specific themes. This is your co-host Kevin, a writer of three unproduced time travel films. (laughs) And I'm not triggered by this topic at all. And I'm joined by a writer (laughs) of four films, plus a Christmas special and a Star War. Sorry, did I say four? Oh, hang on. Yeah, not four. That's the intro from the future. <gasps> what? Will Ooh. Collins. What do you mean? And we're also joined by Podbot. Say hello, Podbot. Wished, will ya? I'm watching your levels and there's something weird about this timeline. She sounds exactly the same. Good old Podbot. Yeah. Will, we're doing time travel. <laughs> we sure are. Yes, we are. I'm excited to be doing time travel because time travel is something that's impossible for us humans currently. You sure about that, Will? (laughs) Yes. If you had the ability to time travel, would you want to go back in time, forward in time, or freeze time? I think forward in time. Forward? I think it'd be fun to go forward into the future and see what the fuck is going on. How are things in 100 years' time? That'd be great. The thing that I have noticed by looking at all these time travel movies, and i got to say up front now, I have plugged as many holes as I possibly can, and I've also watched a lot of films. And <laughs> <laughs> I have watched a fuck ton of time travel movies. I feel overwhelmed to talk about them mm. because it's such an expansive topic. Mm. And there's kind of four types of time travel movies. 
And the recurring theme that I've noticed with a lot of time travel movies is that they deal with regret. Of course. So it's about fixing something in the past. Why don't we discuss the classic one, first of all, characters going back in time. There are way more movies about characters going back in time. Way, way, way more. And I think it has to do with production values. Because I noticed when they do characters going forward in time, the movie begins set in the past Mm. and they go forward in time right up until the time that they shot the film. So you've got like the Philadelphia Experiment. The Philadelphia Experiment. They opened a hole in time and it stayed open. Good God, there it is. Or Forever Young. He took the chance of a lifetime. Freeze a human being. He never imagined where it would take him. Yeah. There's not that many that actually go into the future and you see the future. But okay, movies where you go back in time. Can I rule out some, first of all, that we don't want to talk about? Go on. Or I don't want to talk about. Superhero ones. Because we've covered stuff like X-Men Days of Future Past. So I wake up in my younger body, God knows where, then what? We've done Star Trek, you know, First Contact and The Voyage Home. Mm -hmm. Avengers Endgame have a big one. Here we go. Time travel test number one. Scott, fire up the the van thing. Superman the movie, where he goes back in time, or he flies around the world to turn back time. So I think we can leave Mm -hmm. those ones aside and also Terminator and Terminator 2. Fuck you, asshole. Yeah, we love those films. They're great. They're fantastic time travel stories. But do we really want to talk about them again? No, we want to talk about films we haven't spoke about before. Well, you give me one. What ones have you seen that you enjoyed recently? I'll do a back in time one. That was one of my homework films that came up on a lot of lists. Do you know those lists will... You can't trust them. No, you can't trust them. I told you this morning, I said The Guardian, in their top 20 time travel films, they have The Tomorrow War, yeah. that Chris Pratt film. And I went, what? This is like number seven best time travel film? Like, this is The Guardian, for God's sake. That's not a good film. I'm sorry about that. One that is a back-in-time film is called Predestination. What if I could put him in front of you? The man that ruined your life. Would you kill him? By the time you listen to this, seven years will have passed. Here you are, at the beginning of your new life. It can be overwhelming, knowing the future. So what, you're a cop? I'm a temporal agent. We prevent crime before it takes place. What is it? It's a time machine. Don't ever exceed the jump limit. It can be problematic. If you ever want to stop the fizzle bomber, you'll never get another chance. Time that catches up with us all. You can do this. What are you saying? What's that got to do with me? You're the only one given to the world through a paradox. You must lay the seeds for the future. I know where I come from, but where do all you zombies come from? What if I could put him in front of you? Would you kill him? 
So Predestination basically is Ethan Hawke's character who's this temporal agent and he's sent on a series of time travel journeys back to the past to stop future killers from committing their crimes. Okay, so that's his kind of job. And every time he goes back into the past, he's kind of loses his mind a little bit more every time. Written and directed by a a writer-director pair, Michael Spierig and Peter Spierig. They did Jigsaw, they did Daybreakers, Winchester, that film as well. It was a dour, grimy, gritty film that had actually a very interesting concept at its core. Time Cop. It's, yeah, well, okay, we've got Time Cop. There's never enough time. Never enough for what? To satisfy a woman. Well, then you never want to miss an opportunity. I don't want to spoil it, but basically what it plays with is the idea of, you know, the paradoxes. You know, once you're dealing with time travel films, you know, about like, well, hang on a second, which came first? You know, the chicken or the egg, what, who did what to who first sort of thing. The grandfather paradox. René Barjavel was a French journalist and science fiction writer who spent a lot of his time thinking about time travel. In 1943... Barjavel asked what would happen if a man went back in time to a date before his parents were born and killed his own grandfather. With no grandfather, one of the man's parents would never have been born, and therefore the man himself would never have existed. So there would be nobody to go back in time and kill the grandfather in the first place, or the last place, depending on how you look at it. The scene I really like from this film, though, is a scene where Ethan Hawke's character has gone back to the 1970s to try and intercept this future bomber, okay? And he's working in a dingy New York bar as a bartender. He feels like he's done this a million times because he, he he works the bar like he's been there for 20 years. And in walks this mysterious, cynical character who sits at the end of his bar and Ethan Hawke kind of engages him as a normal customer. And the character at the end of the bar kind of says, do you want to hear the best story you've ever heard? And Ethan Hawke goes, what? And he says, and they make a bet that, you know, 20 bucks, this is going to be, the, I can tell you the best story you've ever heard. And as an audience, I was genuinely leaning in. Mm. And what unfolded was this character telling a whole story of this other character's life. I found that quite an interesting little moment in this film about time loops. Okay. One thing this job has taught me is that truth is stranger than fiction. Nothing astonishes me anymore. You don't know what incredible means. Yeah, well, try me. But to the rest of that bottle, I got the best story you ever heard. Once that I watched that when I go back in time, did you ever see Peggy Sue got married? Oh, I did. That's the one with Nicolas Cage, isn't it? Yeah, he's a bit annoying in it, but the film itself is quite sweet. Yeah. I enjoyed that. What am I doing here? You passed out for a minute, that's all. Oh, Mom. What is going on? You're home now. I'm a grown woman with with a lifetime of experiences you can't understand. Girls mature faster than guys. Digital, watches, miniature television sets. Oh, and huge radios. I mean, for some reason, everything else gets tiny, but portable radios get enormous. I could be trapped here forever. Change your destiny. Marry me. Will you marry me? I don't want to marry anyone, Richard. Why not? Francis Ford Coppola? Yeah, it's a weird one for him. Yeah. She faints at her high school reunion and she goes back in time to when she's a teenager. Mm. And all of the other characters, they're playing themselves, but they're they're still the ages that they were. So you've got like these 35-year-olds that are playing like teenagers. Yeah, I liked it. It reminded me that they used to make movies that were like that, where it was just concept-driven and it was just movie star-led. And it was just about spinning a feel-good yarn. 
I went back and I watched one of the earliest ones that I could find, and it's Le Jeté. This is the story of a man marked by an image of his childhood. The violent scene which upset him, and whose meaning he was to grasp only years later, happened on the main pier at Orly, Paris airport, sometime before the outbreak of World War Three. Oh, is that the, the original of The Twelve Monkeys? Yeah, it's the one that inspired 12 Monkeys. Yeah, they actually included that film on the two-disc DVD box set, I'm pretty sure, back in the day. So I saw it. Did they? Yeah. And the two-disc DVD version I have, it's on it. So I watched it back then. So I haven't seen it in 25 years. I just watched it again. It's on YouTube. It's it's only about 28 minutes long, but it's um, all told with still photographs. Hmm. And so the scientists are working on picking out somebody that, that can handle the shock of going back in time so that they can then send them into the future to prevent the post-apocalyptic world that they're currently in from happening. But it's very interesting and it's worth sort of sticking out. But it is all still pictures, black and white, and it's French as well. So if you can get past the Frenchness of it, it's fascinating. Fuck off in French. There's a whole swath of films where characters go from this time period to a time period in the past, like, you know, before they were ever born. Somewhere in time. Yeah, somewhere way, way, way in the past, you know. Army of Darkness. Yeah, total fish out of water stuff. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. The, the ones that delight me more are the, the ones where characters are travelling back in time to their own lives. Like in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, where they time travel back to earlier in the film. <laughs> What just happened? Where's Ron? 7.30. Where were we at 7.30? I don't know, going to Hagrid's? Come on, and we can't be seen. Hermione! They see themselves from a different point of view and they have to trigger events in a certain way so that the story will keep happening and stuff like that. I love that. that. I really enjoy those. I really enjoy those moments where they actually... I wrote a script like that. Oh, right. Okay. Right. Is this going to be an episode where Kevin's going through the graveyard of his his deceased scripts? Yeah, why not? (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) So this one was called Brink and it was about the end of the world and it involved a boy about 15 the first act he's just going about having the worst day of his life he's like fighting with his parents he's failing his driving test he is breaking up with his girlfriend and he's getting sacked from his part time job and that culminates in the end of the world where an independence day type ship blows up the entire planet but right before that happens he gets beamed onto the ship and he gets thrown into the brig and he meets this defective robot called 1010 and 1010 tells him that it's possible to go back in time you can go back 24 hours and he knows how to do it and so him and 1010 they go back in time and then he has to recreate the worst day of his life in order to get back to a specific point where he can change the course of what happens. So he has to deliberately fail his driving test. He has to deliberately fight with his parents. He has to deliberately break up with his girlfriend. And of course, he's learning all of the life lessons through having to replicate things where he did it wrong the first time and he was an asshole in order to save the world or save his world. 
and that was called Brink. And it was a very fun script. That's a lovely concept. Because what you're what you're portraying there is the idea that the characters can go back and retroactively observe their own lives from another perspective. A different vantage point, yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting. And that's that's exciting to me as well. That was my favorite aspect of Back to the Future 2 when they went back to the first film. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's my favorite sequence. I was going to bring that up. That's my favorite sequence from Back to the Future 2. That's right, Doc. November 12, 1955. Unbelievable. That old Biff could have chosen that particular date. It could mean that that point in time inherently contains some sort of cosmic significance, almost as if it were the temporal junction point for the entire space-time continuum. On the other hand, it could just be an amazing coincidence. Doc, what about Jennifer? What about Einstein? We can't just leave him here. Don't worry, Marty. Assuming we succeed in our mission, this alternate 1985 will be changed back into the real 1985, instantaneously transforming around Jennifer and Einie. Jennifer and Einie will be fine, and they will have absolutely no memory of this horrible place. Doc, what if we don't succeed? Do you remember Primer? Oh, I do. I watched it and was not a fan. You were not a fan? Nope. I did not like Primer. I found Primer to be so arduous, painful to watch, so cold and sterile. I appreciated that it was very ramshackle and, you know, it was handmade and homemade and all that sort of stuff. I just couldn't penetrate into that film in any way. I just felt I was just, Ooh, I just felt so detached from it. Yeah. I just felt really apart from the film. I really apart from the film. I just want you to see it the way I saw it. I am trying, okay? I really am here. Look, everything we're putting into that box comes ungrounded. And I don't mean grounded like to the earth. I mean not tethered. I mean, we're blocking whatever keeps them moving forward, and so they flip-flop. Inside the box, it's like a street, and both ends are cul-de-sacs. I mean, this isn't frame-dragging or wormhole magic. This is basic Mechanics and Heat 101. This is not Mechanics and Heat. We can publish. Yeah, we can publish. No, I mean, we can really publish. Well, Aaron, the Weeble's stupid. It can't move. I mean, even if we were to put the Weeble in at point B, it's still just going to bounce around back and forth until it gets kicked out at the B end. But if it were smart, it can enter at the B end, makes it at the A end before it flips back. You're talking about making a bigger one. You're talking about making a bigger one. I, I didn't say anything. You're the one talking about it. So you believe me? I really enjoyed it, but I didn't revisit it for this because there were so many other ones that I had to get through. And one of them was a film that a friend of mine really, really rates and loves. And he's watched it multiple times over the years. And every time he does, I always point out that I have no interest in watching that film and he would say it's a cracker you've got to watch it so mm. I put it on the list for this and I endured it we'll say and I, I loved what it was saying and I loved the elements of the story but I just hate it's like a song sung by somebody whose voice you can't stand okay yeah but it's a great song right and it was about time the Richard Curtis film. From the creator of Love Actually. I'm Tim. I'm Mary. It's my mother's name. I remind you of your mother. So there's this family secret. The men can travel in time. Wow. My son. My dad. Love. It'll be better next time. And laughter. Well done. Some people make a real mess of it the first time. <sighs> 
Amateurs. About time. You know what? In the cinema, I really enjoyed that film. In the <laughs> cinema. I just, I am allergic to that aggressively cutesy twee faffing about middle-class Englishness yeah. permeated with these needle drops that you'd hear on an ITV ad break. Yeah. But the story of a guy who learns on his 21st birthday that the men in his family, if they go into a dark place, like a wardrobe or a closet, and they clench really hard, they can flash back to a point in their life and they can you know relive the same day twice so they can change things or they can meet people that I haven't seen for a while but they've got to be careful not to change things too much mm-hmm. so for instance they can't go back prior to when their children were born yeah and so Donald Gleason learns he has this ability and he keeps doing the very typical tropey thing of once you've learned what's about to happen you then avoid doing anything that will allow that to happen again. So it's like if you trip up and you you spill a drink over somebody, you go back to the restaurant that you duck around the waiter so you don't trip up and it's that stuff. Yeah. But it all culminates with him becoming a father and losing his father. And I thought that was a, a, a really beautiful story. It's just, I felt so frustrated by it because I'm like, I can't enjoy it because it's so fucking twee. Oh, how horrid. Yeah. Do you want to know something? That film appeared on television and I went, oh, I should really, it's on. I should just watch it, rewatch it for this episode. And it was the opening scene, uh, opening act when they're at the New Year's Eve party or whatever it was. And I had that irritation to the tweeness as well. I really Mm -hmm. went, oh God, it's too fucking twee. But I think I remember having the same experience in watching the cinema. But once the story actually went into the whole, followed its narrative plot into the whole time travel stuff, I enjoyed it more and more. And I think I came out feeling quite warm and fuzzy about the film actually by the end. forgot kind of left the tweeness the tweeness irritation left me hmm. so I think it's, I agree with you I think it's actually a really <laughs> good story I think it got it got a lot of bashing when it came out but Did I this? don't think it's as bad yeah I feel a lot of people were kind of giving it shit for being like ugh I've only ever heard for years that it's a great film and you need to get over your Richard Curtis hate and watch it and um and I just, I can't get on with it. It's like Love Actually with time travel. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's got that vibe, which can be very irksome. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm glad you watched it. Irksome, that's a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I watched one as well that I hadn't heard of before, and I enjoyed it. And you might like it even more than me, but it was called The Girl Who Leapt Through Time. There's nothing you can hide from me. I can predict everything you're going to do. What you experienced was a time leap. Time leap? You see, time can never be reversed. So it was you that went back in time. I've heard the title. I've not watched the film. Animated film. So it's about a, a girl who learns... Well, she doesn't Let learn. Let me guess. Let me guess. She doesn't learn. Does she go to a restaurant and... No. 
no shit. All right, go on. What's it about? Actually, she kind of does, but she doesn't do the. Oh, she doesn't spill anything. But it's that sort of thing, that tropey thing that happens in a lot of time travel stories. And I do think that if you're going to write a time travel movie from now on, you've got to avoid that stuff. You've got to avoid the montage with her recreating moments to avoid mishap. Mm-hmm. I think that's been done yeah. to death, though. Yeah. So it's a, it's a Japanese film, and um, there's a walnut. And a walnut allows her to time travel. So if she leaps, falls, trips, anything where she's like cascading, she can leap through time and she can keep going backwards in time. And so she exploits that to its full potential, beating tests and winning on a baseball game and things like that. But then it gets deeper and and sweeter when she realizes that she can't live a consequence-free life that she mm-hmm. needs to let certain things happen and that she stumbled across this ability because it belonged to somebody else. And that person wants it back, but there's only a finite number of jumps that you can do. And once you run out of jumps, you can never go back in time again. So it sort of builds towards her making some foolish mistakes and she doesn't have the ability to go back in time and fix anything again. But it's very sweet and a bit poignant. But I enjoyed that. So that was one that I discovered thanks to this topic. Well, I'm putting it on my watch list. The Girl sure, yeah. Leapt True Time. I also watched the Czechoslovakian film that had the production values of a porno. Ah! It's like a 1970s <laughs> one called that's Tomorrow I'll Wake Up and Scald Myself with Tea. And, uh, that's not what it's called. That's it not what it's is. called, is it? <laughs> Tomorrow I'll Wake Up and Scald Myself with Tea. Okay, I'm interested. Continue. Yeah, because there's a moment in it where he scalds himself with tea. And um, he goes back and... Was the pornography good? <laughs> I tell you, the film fucks. No. <laughs> it wasn't for me. Right. Clash of Cultures type thing. 70s Czechoslovakian film. And, you know, you get what you expect. He goes back in time to a bunker to be with Hitler. And uh, it's it's a comedy, but it's one of those, like... It feels like a sex comedy with the sex. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you're I'm, not I'm just recommending telling, that one. I'm just telling people I watched it in order for I've them to it. not feel like <laughs> you have I haven't, done, you haven't, I haven't done your research. Can I bring up another t- back in time one? And I hope I'm not treading on toes here because I'm running out of, uh, I, 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 I want to make sure I get stuff in, is one film which came to us via a listener recommendation for the second rate show, which we did uh, whenever last year. And it was a recommendation by Patrick McGinley, our patron. Time Crimes. Recommend, recommended to us Time Crimes. It's a time loop. I thought it was back in time. I thought he was going back in time constantly. And he was actually specifically going back in time. But it keeps looping over and over again. It's the same okay, thing. Okay, so over. I'm going to talk about it when we get to time loops. Yeah. Time loops are my favourite type of time travel stories, to be honest. Okay. I also watched Free Jack. Did you ever see Free Jack? Watched it years ago. Yeah. My, uh, tell me, so probably, you, was this your f- first time watching it? Yes. It's probably best left when you watched it years ago. Emilio Estevez. Directed by the man who made The Quiet Earth, Jeff Murphy. The New Zealand film, yeah. which is very good. Yeah. So he went on to do films such as Free Jack when he went and leapt over the waters to Hollywood. It looks nice, but it's a bonkers story. And enter the year. 2009, where immortality is only a heartbeat away, where money can buy anything. Shouldn't you consider an alternative body? Sorry to deceive you. Including 
life itself. Emilio Estevez right. is a race car driver who gets kidnapped because people from the future want to put a billionaire's brain into his body. Yes, I've just read the synopsis and that's what the synopsis says as well. Anthony Hopkins, yeah. No, it's daft. It's one of those 80s time travel. Of the 80s, they, they try time travel a lot and uh, they don't get it right. There's only a few of them that really get it right, like Bill and Ted. Excellent! And my favourite 80s time travel one where they go back oh, in time. Tell me, what was it? I have no idea. It's not coming to me. I'm drawing a blank. Steven Spielberg presents Back to the Future, a Robert Zemeckis film. Marty leads an ordinary life. No McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Yeah, well, history is going to change. Back to the Future. Of course. And of course. And yeah, that's the ultimate. No perfect script. Really well produced. Great concept. If you could go back in time and meet your parents, would you get on with them? Mm-hmm. I wonder what I've gotten on with my parents if we were back in time. I don't think I would, to be honest. Of course. No, none of us would have. There no. were, it was like, especially in Ireland, where the gap between us and our parents was so vast culturally like they were going to their night of a crazy night was going to a big Tom and the mainliners you know they were <laughs> closeted fucking spit on me dicky culture <laughs> dicky rock spit on me dicky they were though I remember asking my dad because my dad would have been like uh, your dad was in his 40s when he was a teenager (laughs) (laughs) but I remember getting into the Beatles in the 90s right and I remember like I did the maths in my head and went Jesus my father would have been like the perfect age when the Beatles were kind of around like you know he would have been in his 20s and I said do you remember the Beatles he went oh no I wasn't I didn't really listen to that sort of stuff at all I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet but your kids are going to love it. Youth was wasted on you. You just missed like the best kind of cultural revolution. He was more of a Rolling Stones man. <laughs> That's it, yeah. He says, I was doing heroin and hanging out on Rolling Stone concerts. And, and I was I was riding with the, the wild bunch or whatever they were called. I had, a, I had a Harley Davidson. I stabbed a few people. But I don't really know. I was on meth at the time. And that was your mum? That was my mother, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's going back in time. I think my favourite one, I love the time travel films where they go back to themselves, when they go back to an earlier version of their own lives. If I was to pick one scene that does that, it's the scene from Back to the Future 2 where Marty from the first movie has to punch out Biff Tannen, you know? And Mm -hmm. the other Marty has fucked it up. Like Marty from Back to the Future 2 has kind of fucked up the chain of events for Back to the Future 1. So it's relying... That's the best part of that film. It's uh, The enjoyment and excitement of that scene is led by the audience knowing the first film so well because everyone had seen it so many times. And also Marty himself knew the chain of events so well that we all knew what was supposed to happen. Doc, damn it, come in!
I can remember that shot of when Marty, wearing the leather jacket, is watching the young version of his dad punch out Biff and that sense of like, oh, thank God, I put everything back to right. It's delightful. Do you know what's crazy? I saw Back to the Future 2 in the cinema and I'd never seen Back to the Future. Oh my God. (laughs) Were you completely lost? No, I was just happy to be in a cinema watching stuff. I was like, oh my God, they've got like floating skateboards and stuff. I was like in my element. Yeah. So that's like going back in time. And then, of course, you can jump Mm -hmm. forward in time. Forward Forward. in time. Well, I suppose if if you're going to get naked, I may as well do it as well. Hurry, we don't have much time. Commando the shit. You don't need to grease us up. That's fine. (laughs) Greasy enough. Sorry, I didn't mean to press Will you stop messing with the blue guy? Sorry. Okay. Anyway, there aren't as many movies where a character goes into the future. I could only really pick two. A lot of them are like characters from the past come to the present. So I mentioned at the start, Forever Young, Mel Gibson is like a 1940s guy and he's brought to the 90s and then he has to find Mm -hmm. his his lady love and he's aging rapidly. Uh, I was shocked how similar that one was to the Philadelphia Experiment, which wasn't very good. Oh, really? I haven't seen The Philadelphia Experiment. The Philadelphia Experiment was a film that John Carpenter was going to do, but he got stuck on the script and he went to the producer and he said, there's no third act to this, so I don't know how to do it. And they said, well, okay, you need to give us something else then. If you want to back out, you still owe us another film. And so he gave them Escape from New York and he did that. And so he's an executive producer on The Philadelphia Experiment. Okay. Time After Time was one I watched. It's Malcolm McDowell and he plays H.G. Wells and he's chasing Jack the Ripper. He's friends with Jack the Ripper. He gets into a time machine. He goes to San Francisco of 1979 and uh, H.G. Wells follows him there and he falls in Mm -hmm. love with Mary Steenburgen and he's trying to stop Jack the Ripper and it's done by Nicholas Meyer who did Wrath of Khan. Wow. And you watched this. How was it? It, It's fine. It's like a matinee film. It, It felt like a Disney film from the 70s doing a Doctor Who type story. Okay. What you said was interesting earlier on, and I really hadn't considered it before you actually said it. The reason, a very practical reason, we've far less future movies or characters jumping into the future is production costs. Yeah, yeah, huge. And anytime we have them, characters jumping into the future, they're characters from the past jumping into the present. Yeah. Because it doesn't cost to build sets. It's an existing world. We can just shoot it right now. Um, you have very few characters, of very few films of characters jumping into the future as of the time they were making I the could only, so um, I could only list two. Okay. That they actually do that, where they go far into the future. Far into the future. And they're both, right. I think, belters. Demolition Man. Oh, that's fun. And Idiocracy. Oh yeah, very good. Ever like so prescient to us. For the last time, I'm pretty sure what's killing the crops is this Brondo stuff. The Brondo's got what plants crave. It's got electrolytes. So wait a minute. What you're saying is that you want us to put water on the crops? Yes. Water, like out the toilet? Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be out of the toilet, but but yeah, that's the idea. But Brondo's got what plants crave. It's got electrolytes. Okay, look, the plants aren't growing, so I'm pretty sure that the Brando's not working. Now, I'm no botanist, but I do know that if you put water on plants, they grow. Well, I've never seen no plants grow out of no toilet. Hey, that's good. You sure you ain't the smartest guy in the world? Yeah. 
Okay, look, you want to solve this problem. I want to get my pardon, so why don't we just try it, okay? And not worry about what plants crave. Brando's got what plants crave. Yeah, it's got electrolytes. What are electrolytes? Do you even know? It's what they use to make Brando. Yeah, but why do they use them to make Brando? Because Brando's got electrolytes. After several hours, Joe finally gave up on logic and reason and simply told the cabinet that he could talk to plants and that they wanted water. Do you know that with Demolition Man, back in my time as a waiter in Planet Hollywood in San Francisco, there was a time I was a waiter in Planet Hollywood in San Francisco, they had various props from famous films adorning the restaurant. And one of the standout ones in that restaurant hanging from the ceiling was the life-size frozen mannequin of Sylvester Stallone in that film, completely naked. So I was walking under a life-size naked Sylvester Stallone, uh, you know, eight hours a day, five, six days a week for a couple of months. Did they have three shells in the bathroom? They had three shells in the bathroom and I never knew how to use them. They're very comfortable on the butt. Very your ass with the shells. <laughs> yeah, so that's why my ass. It's really weird. And then other people have to use them after you. It's like, oh, it's just very strange. You're out of toilet paper. Did, did you say toilet paper? Oh, they used handfuls of wadded paper back in the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy that you're happy, but the place where you're supposed to have the toilet paper, you got this little shelf with three seashells on it. <laughs> he doesn't know how to use the three seashells. <laughs> the other ones where it's like characters from the past coming into the future, you've got like Austin Powers. Mm. Morning, Austin. You know, I sometimes forget you've missed out on the last 30 years. Fall of the Berlin Wall. First female British Prime Minister, end of apartheid. Yeah, and I can't believe Liberace was gay. I mean, women loved him. I didn't see that one coming, no. Yes, yeah. And they do a clever thing with the sequel where then they send him back in time. So he's back in his element. Basil, if I travel back to 1969 and I was frozen in 1967, presumably I could go visit my frozen self. But... If I'm still frozen in 1967, how could I have been unthawed in the 90s and travelled back to, oh no, I've gone cross-eyed? I suggest you don't worry about this sort of thing and just enjoy yourself. That goes for you all, too. That's a fun yeah. way to play with that concept. Yeah, it was good. It was the only way they could do that sequel. What, what's your favourite type of jumping into the future story? Well, in film, I, that one that came to mind was one from the 80s and it was The Flight of the Navigator. Mm, I love that film. That feels like a, a Spielberg movie that wasn't made by him. It does, doesn't, but it has, uh, it doesn't quite have the same level of whim- whimsy. It actually has quite a, a melancholy vibe to it, which really, I think, made me ache when I was younger. David, what time did you enter the woods? Around eight o'clock. Then what happened? Reached this cliff. It's transmitting in alpha waves with complex frequency patterns in them. I, I know I fell. It's 1986, man. Eight years since that night. This is totally rad. I mean, you're my big little brother. I think you should take a look at this. Where did this come from? 
from the mind of a 12-year-old boy. He's hurt. He's calling me. His voice keeps calling. Saying something over and over and over. The scene that I really liked that actually really upset me when I was young was the scene where he wakes up after being in a coma and it's nighttime and he's running back home and he's furious with his brother and he's knocking on the door the, the door opens and the people who answer the door aren't his family mm-hmm. it's a completely strange group of people and he doesn't understand what's going on and he climbs up the stairs which stairs to his, in his house which has been completely redecorated and the man at the top of the stairs says kid you're in the wrong house and he goes no this is my house and he just starts breaking down and there's a whole sequence then where they call the cops and they eventually bring his family in and you have his little brother who was this annoying little brat now comes to him and he's this you know teenager like he's older than him he's a bigger a bigger boy than him Think you had the wrong house, dear. Where's my mom? I have no idea. Are you lost? Hey! Where do you think you're going? Now, just a minute. You've made a mistake. Mom? Dad? What's the problem, son? Now calm down, son. Not nobody is going to hurt you. What's your name? Where do you live? Please. Where's my mom and dad? Janet, call the police. But it's in that moment of seeing this older brother, you know, there's a real tragedy and sense of loss because I think seeing that change, that recasting, really makes it apparent how much he's missed out, you know, how much, how much suffering has kind of happened. It's not really, it's not overly stated, but there's a real sense of tragedy, a real sense of loss that's happened there and something that needs to be fixed. The story really kind of sets itself up as, you know, oh, you just can't carry on with this family anymore. You kind of have to find a way back. Mm-hmm. You ha- kind of have to go back to, to your to your timeline. It really feels urgent. And I felt really emotionally invested in that kid's situation. And so when he goes off with that on, on that ship, it's a great adventure. It's, uh, it's really I loved cool. his little um, snot alien sidekick that he has. Yeah, it was really cute. Yeah, it's a good little film. It's a really good little film. So I'm glad I get a chance to bring it up. Yeah, um, I loved Forever Young as well. It's one of those matinee films. I I really enjoyed it. I haven't thought about that film since forever ago. So I'm going to give that a rewatch. But I think the best one of these where somebody goes into the future has got to be Idiocracy. Just because Mm. it hits a nail on the head. And now it doesn't feel that far-fetched anymore. You know? Yeah, it's scary now, isn't it? Scary. When did that? They came out in the mid two thousands, didn't it? Early two thousands. Yeah, right. Two thousand six, and it I felt think. like ah, 
Yeah. And at the time it felt like, oh, come on. It was like, oh, this is far-fetched. This is w- like, this is way too far-fetched. And now it feels, you watch it and you go, shit, this is kind of coming through 20, 20 years later, we're going down that road. Yeah. You're reminding me that I didn't bring this up earlier on, but if we were to recreate Back to the Future and go back in time, as many years as Marty McFly goes, we'd be going back to the early 2000s. Oh my God. I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. It was just 20 years he jumped back. Mm-hmm. 65, 75. No, he went, he went back to 55. So 65, 75, 80. He went back 30 years. 1993. Can't guess you guys aren't ready for that yet. And then he goes to 2015. Hello. Five, yes, 30 years. That's what it is. So we'd be going back to the early 90s. That was a terrible time as well. Ah, Joe Bloggs jeans. Oh God. The yeah, culture kind of took a dip. For a couple of years there, right, for sure. The Fuji's hadn't come along. Yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> At least we'd boys want to look forward to There's two other types of time travel type stories. We've done going back in time. We've done going forward in time. Then they're the ones that are slightly dealing with time, but they're not time travel. Eternal Sunshine, Memento, Tennis. Final Destination, The Lake House Frequency, Safety Not Guaranteed, Minority Port, Deja Vu, Run Lola Run. They're all very good, aside from Tenet. I don't think you actually picked any of the ones that I have. I've got two films that are in the sort of time travel category. Go on. Did you say Interstellar? No, I didn't say that. That's a good sequence in that film. So, like, I love this version of time travel because it's one of the few examples of time travel in films that is actually grounded in real science. So this is probably the only way we'll actually experience time travel as a species, okay? And my favourite sequence is that scene where they're on the water planet and we have, the you know, it's a, a very literal ticking clock going on and every second that's wasted on the surface of this planet means that it's years wasted back on Earth. So when Matthew McConaughey's character, like their mission on the water planet kind of goes to shit and they have to retreat to their vessel and get back up to their mothership as quickly as possible but one of their colleagues falls behind and Matthew McConaughey has to make a quick decision whether he's going to rescue them and waste more years every second wasted is years gone by he makes you know that choice to you know sacrifice the time and rescue his colleague it it's a really I fucking found it really fucking emotionally powerful when he goes back up to the spaceship mothership and sees all the video logs that have come in from his family Mm. and years have fucking passed it's very very powerful and it spawned that meme spawned that meme (laughs) blubbering Matt Magani crying his eyes out that's how I felt watching Tenet (laughs) makes it really hard now to appreciate that scene because of that fucking meme you know but uh, I thought that was the best sequence in that film really powerful excellent stuff Safety Not Guaranteed. Did you ever see that? I did, yeah. It starts with an ad. Yes. Does it start with an ad? Like There's a, an ad a newspaper in the newspaper. Ad. Yeah, safety, and it says Safety Not Guaranteed is one of the things that's on the ad. Isn't that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But the end of that film, Steven Spielberg said that if it didn't end the way that it did, then Colin Trevorrow, the director, wouldn't have gotten the Jurassic World job. And I think that the ending of Safety Not Guaranteed is... A mistake. I don't like it. Go on. There's a couple of films that sort of end where they they tell you that the delusion that you would have thought the character had wasn't there and that they actually 
it was real all along. Like take shelter, for instance. Mm. But safety not guaranteed, he actually goes back in time. He gets on that mm-hmm. contraption, that boat type thing, and he goes back in time. And I think that's a mistake. I would have preferred if, and this is just my personal preference, but I would have preferred if he had disappeared and Aubrey Plaza wasn't 100% sure of what happened. And then she finds that time capsule. And we're left wondering, did he go back in time? I think he did. I think he didn't or whatever. Mm. But it was just a more interesting ending to me than the more overt thing of, oh, he was right all along and he time traveled. Oh, Lordy. Listen, I saw that film once when it first came out years and years ago. But yeah, just in general, I think staying with the mystery would be probably better. Um, It's weird that Spielberg preferred it to end that way. That's interesting. That is interesting. I guess because they took the leap and they committed to the concept and they didn't sort of shy away into the more realistic version. Yeah. He wanted a closed ending instead of an open ending. Yeah. Or he just wanted a Mm. fantastical ending instead of like a more grounded ending. Yeah. So moral of the story is don't trust Spielberg. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Don't trust him. (laughs) (laughs) Um... With time travel, you can jump around based on your consciousness. You can have a magic spell. You can have a time machine. We haven't really talked about time machines much. There can be some sort of cosmic thing like a black hole. Mm-hmm. But one that involves magic that I think is gorgeous. And it's, I don't know where to place it, like in what category, because it involves all of them. And it's a Christmas carol. Oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, or Scrooge, Muppets Christmas Carol or Scrooge. They go back in time, they go forward in time and they show him an alternate time. Oh yeah, you bastard. I didn't think of that. I love that. Oh no, James, my brother, is dead. Why did this have to happen? Well, when I get back, I'm going to... Well, there he is, James! Who's in there? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not find. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. What the hell is this that you say? What, did I die? Why are you showing me this stuff? I can't do anything again. Why the hell did you bother to show me this stuff? James W. No. Oh. Please don't let him burn me, As I've said probably many times, uh, definitely in the Christmas episode, my favorite version of the Christmas Carol is the Muppets one. I love, I yeah, love just love that Me version. too. And it's kind of dealing with what we're discussing is that idea of visiting oneself. And visiting your, you know, it's dealing seeing, with regret. Yeah, de- yeah, definitely, definitely coming face to face with your regret and actually seeing and acknowledging the poor decisions we've made as individuals in our past lives, and learning from that and hopefully changing and becoming a better person. Uh, two superhero ones that are gags that deal with time travel that I like, and I didn't want to include anything to do with superheroes, but these two are great. The post-credit scene in Deadpool two, where he tries to clean up the timeline and he's going back and he's shooting himself in the head so he doesn't do Green Lantern <laughs> and he's executing the other Wade. Uh, it's set to share his turn back time. It's very funny. We're definitely naming our kids Cher! Woo! Oh, I enjoyed that. 
but my favourite one is in Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Did you ever end up seeing that? Oh, we did. It was The, the kids have had it on loads of times. It's a great show. Teen Titans is fantastic. Go on. What happens in that one? Every superhero is born from a tragic, life-changing event. I propose we travel through time and stop those tragic events from taking place. Robin, this is the excellent the Teen Titans want to get rid of superheroes from the world, so they go back in time on their time cycles to to eradicate the origin stories of classic superheroes like Superman and Batman. So they go back in time and they save Krypton from exploding by playing like dance music. They prevent Bruce's parents from getting murdered, and then they come back to the future and realize that the world is in absolute chaos and it's wrecked because there are no superheroes. So they have to go back. And it's, it's some voices. We've got to go back in time and orchestrate the murder of Bruce's parents. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I don't so remember like this. So putting, like putting the pearls around his mother's neck and shoving her into the alley so she can get shot to death. <laughs> and good. little Bruce looking at it, blowing up Krypton. It's just, it's very, very funny. And I guffawed several times with Teen Titans go to the movies. That's what's great because I lived with Teen Titans on Luke in this house. Luke got in an absolute fixation about Teen Titans. And it was one of those shows that was on the background. And I just loved it being in the background. It was so fucking funny. Really, really clever. And I think we watched the film once and it might have been one of those films that I fell asleep during while we had it on, on TV. So when I say I watched it, I, think, I actually think I was using it as nap time for me. Well, I fucking friends. loved it. I think it's a great film. Very, very funny. Very clever. So we've covered going back in time, forward in time, s- stories that are slightly about time travel, but not really dealing with time travel in the way that you think. But my favourite type of time travel are time loop stories. Time loop stories. Right. And they've really only come about recently. There's been like a glut of them. And I noticed because I wrote one and then suddenly everybody was writing one. But um, the classic one, obviously, is cause and effect from Mm -hmm. Star Trek The Next Generation. Of course. Absolutely. It came a year before Groundhog Day, but Groundhog Day is the, sort of the template. And it's basically the classic thing of somebody being stuck in a moment in time and having to relive it over and over again. And since Groundhog Day, we've had like Donnie Darko, Happy Death Day, Looper, Palm Springs, Triangle, Coherent, Source Code, even Arrival, I would include mm, in that. Yeah. Because the loop can be as expansive as, it doesn't have to be just a day. Or it doesn't have to be like a couple of hours, which is what I think it is in source code. It can be almost a lifetime looping over again, repeating mm-hmm. itself. But I love time loop mm-hmm. stories. You mentioned one there, the, a more recent one, which was very refreshing as well, which was Palm Springs. Palm Springs yeah. takes the Groundhog Day concept and kind of ditches the, what well, we're getting used to it and starts with someone walking into someone else's time loop. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Nice. Niles? Don't come in here! What the... It's gonna be a beautiful wedding. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. The 
second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start. Well, then what's the point of living? We kind of have no choice but to live. No, I'm going to get out of this. See you tomorrow. I can't keep waking up in here. At least you have each other. Everything that we are doing is meaningless. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. They do the unique thing of having two people in a time loop. Yeah. But it's, diff- they're staggered. It's fucking brilliant. If you haven't seen Pan Springs, just definitely go to your way and watch it. It's so funny. It's just a fresh take on that concept. It's the delight in, it's almost like being immortal in a way. There's a kind of a, a wish fulfillment of like, what could you do if you live forever? But you have these very specific parameters put upon you. How creative can you be to, to fuck shit up? It's just basically a real trial of an, an, an individual. Yeah. The one that you brought up, I've only watched one and a half times, but I think it's a fantastic film, was Arrival. This is the day they arrived. The object touched down 40 minutes ago. Mama, what's going to happen? I don't know. Dr. Banks, you're at the top of everyone's list when it comes to translations. You hear any words? Is that? Yes. Am I the only one having trouble saying aliens? What do they look like? You'll see soon enough. They need to see me. Dr. Banks? Now that's a proper introduction. More objects have landed around the world. It's their language. Got 21 hours before they start global war. They're not our enemy. We need to talk to them. It's more complicated than that. How is it more complicated? Are you dreaming in their language? What does it say? Weapon. So how do we clarify their intentions? I go back in. What is she doing? You are committing an act of treason. Do you trust me? Why one and a half times? Oh, because I watched it in the cinema and it devastated me so much in the cinema. I resisted going back to watch it again. And... In the last week, I started watching it again, and the opening scene alone had me in floods of tears because I knew what the opening scene now meant. And I was just in floods of tears, and it was agony. You know, I, it was it was agonizing for me because I didn't feel I could handle the ending. It was agonizing for me as well because yeah. I wrote a script called Prescience, which used the exact same conceit. Yeah. I just didn't have aliens in it. But it was about remembering the future and a child that hadn't been born yet. Yeah. And uh, it plays out so eerily similar that I avoided watching Arrival for that reason because I just didn't want to open that wound and be like, oh God, I wrote this and nobody ever really got to see it. Of course, I didn't know Ted Chiang's book or his novella, so ignorance mm. played a factor in that, but... um. You know, when I was in the cinema, yeah. I remember actually in the cinema watching it and I remember feeling, oh no, Kevin's script. Because I'd read, I'd read Prescience at that stage and I loved that. Well, was the as- Yeah. And I loved that aspect of your script of the idea of this becoming aware of the child that wasn't born yet. And, mm-hmm. and I remember commenting, I remember giving you, because I had a kid at that stage, obviously Luke was born. And I remember kind of saying to you, like, once you, once that, parental trigger is awakened within you 
it can, it's it, it can't be switched off you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's just your dna has been kind of changed slightly and i remember having that feeling just going oh no kevin's script shit <laughs> this idea is one of the great ideas in this and in his story yeah so i felt bad for you uh, i never would have watched it unless we ha- unless i had to for this topic because i thought like i can't not talk about a rival it's bound to come up because it's like one of the great time travel stories of the last like 20 years and I knew that you'd probably bring it up mm-hmm. but I ended up loving the film I ended up feeling like this is the idea that I had in mind but done to maximum effect and uh, it, it was gorgeous it was beautiful mm-hmm. but it plays a trick on the audience so you don't know that you're in a time travel story until it's revealed to Emmy Adams' character so you think that you are meeting somebody who's dealing with grief of having lost a child and then mm-hmm. enters into the story and then you come to to learn that she's remembering the future and uh, this is yeah. the gift that the, the, the aliens are bringing to them is the ability to broaden the consciousness so that time is no longer linear and you mm-hmm. can you can remember all facets of your lifespan and uh, it, it's such a tender film. It's beautiful. Yeah, I love this idea that life can be lived in a loop, and also the heaviness of knowing what that what is ahead of you is, as well as you know what's behind you. The way to that knowledge of the future, like you know, and how the, you know the film frames it, you know, it just killed me. But what I love about that as a concept is it forces her to live her life differently. She has to surrender to the circle of life and she has to just live her life so like in a way she's no longer chasing the future what I love about that is that it changes our mindset of how we perceive how we live our lives if the entirety of humanity were to live in that way it humble us as a species and make us operate in a completely different manner to the way we actually currently operate which is chasing pursuing pursuing rather than seeing things as a whole that's the message of about time as well which is like he tells him to live every day twice so for the first day just to get all the anxiety and stress out of the way and then to do it a second time so that you get to enjoy the experience of of being aware being um, it's beautiful of how good you have it kind of like no this is precious every moment the now is so Uh, excuse me it's precious when I burp into the mic as well as saying something like that. The now is so precious. It really is. And uh, I do adore that central message of this fucking big sci-fi film. It's, it's, it's brilliant. I love Denis Villeneuve. He is amazing. And I can't wait for Dune to put it into me as soon as possible. Denny, you hunk of a man. <laughs> You'll be waiting a long time. Is that your pick? Could be. Yeah, we'll call it my pick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is, is it your pick? Yeah, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with Arrival as my pick. Fuck it. It is my pick. What's your scene pick? It's the it's that final montage, which also connects into the, this, the book end of it. <laughs> We're so it's, but it is, but it is. It's that, it's that awakening <laughs> for horror, which connects to the beginning of the film. That awakening of like horror, horror having this revelation or the audience having this revelation of, oh shit. What you call her? Of, her, of, of Amy Adams' character. Whore. <laughs> I did never. Amy Adams is, is, is as far a whore as any person could ever be. Thank you. But yeah, her awakening. She's the only person that I think could have played that part. She has this ability to 
remain right on the precipice of tears. She seems so brittle and so willowy. If I tried to fan cast it with another actress, I don't think the film would be as effective. Mm. She's got this lovely, gentle voice. Yeah. And the weight of the world is on her shoulders as well. Like there's an awful lot of pressure mm. on her. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. It's a fantastic film. I found it so frustrating how the fucking military were just constantly like sabotaging and undercutting and, and they were pissing me off. It was like, shut up, Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> let, let her speak. Such her gob. Let her save the world. So I love that film. Will I give you my pick? Go on. Absolutely. I'd love to hear it. I've seen so many time travel movies. I've loved a lot of them. Some of them are shite, but I didn't really, you know, spend too much time on them. Back to the Future is great. Terminator 2 is great. Terminator 1 is great. Other ones that don't really get as much love, but I still kind of really like them. Looper and The Voyage Home and, and Army of Darkness, which we didn't talk about. Idiocracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, time Bandits. We didn't mention Time Bandits anywhere yet, and that's that's so much fun. Yep, Minority Report we didn't really talk about, where they're, they're using the ability to see the future, to catch people for crimes they haven't committed yet. Um, if we're talking about time loops, we should have mentioned Edge of Tomorrow, of course. Of course, I didn't write that down. How did I not write down Edge of Tomorrow? That's a great action film. Yeah, it's a cracker. Oh, I've written it down here as Live, Die, Repeat, that's why. Okay. Uh... <laughs> They're fantastic. They can span all types of genres. You can have period films. You can have found footage films like the Project Almanac, rom-coms, horror movies, Final Destination. They can all sort of borrow heavily from the conceit of time travel. And you get to tell stories that are basically about the human condition. And again, as I said, the themes of regret. But you put this sci-fi element on top of them. And it sort of allows Or magical you. realism. It, yeah. It's sci-fi or magical realism. And I love that shit. Yeah. Somebody can be cursed or there's a spell put upon them or, or whatever mm-hmm. even hard cold austere filmmakers like Christopher Nolan can use time travel to tell a story that's just about the power of love that love can transcend mm. time and space but the one that I went with is from a film that is my favourite time travel movie because it ranks so high on my list of favourite of all time movies mm. so I couldn't really pick a, another one beyond it and it's a scene within the film that I think it transcends the device of time travel and pushes that character to evolve past their own myopic view of how great they are and puts everything in perspective and the film of course is Groundhog Day which for me is a perfect film but the scene that I Mm -hmm. love and it's only like two minutes in the film um, and they don't really go back to it once they've sort of had this devastating moment and it is the homeless guy in Groundhog Day it's a beautiful scene and do you want me to sicken your shit right now are we going to record again no I'll sicken your shit and tell you that that was your pick for best magical realism scene as well you're joking me <laughs> yeah are you serious I remember cutting that the reason being is because I remember is correct. oh my god <laughs> well it's Groundhog Day again and I guess maybe the scene that I liked the most in that movie is when he cannot save the homeless man. All of his problems pale in comparison because there's always somebody who's worse off than you. And every day that he relives, that old man that everybody's overlooked dies. Excellent choice. An excellent film. Well, it's Groundhog Day. Again. 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 Oh. Podbot? What do you mean? I've already used this before. (laughs) We've got to go go back in time and fix this? Oh my God, how did I not notice? 
I've been investigating anomalies in the timeline and I've figured out the problem. In best Star Trek scenes, you traveled back in time to 1986, and you took Deadman with you, the ensign who joined for that storyline. And you left him behind. Oh, he's alive! <laughs> what about him? Since that moment, Deadman has been altering history. This mistake by Kevin is proof of it. It Fuck. is so, so out of character for him. That's true. Are you saying we're in an alternate timeline, Podbot? Is that what's going on? That's exactly what I'm saying. And the multiverse is collapsing. What does that mean? Hello and welcome to the Hello and welcome, Hello and welcome to the This is your co-host, Deadman, a writer of 50 films and 800 episodes of TV. Films like Titanic, Matrix, Grabbers, Song of the Sea, Mannequin on the Moon from TNG. And I'm here with my co-host, Maura, who invented Amazon. Hello, Deadman. Oh, my God. Can you believe we've been doing this podcast now for 10 years and we're number one all over the world? so much money. We're making so much money. Millions and millions and millions and everybody's listening to our Patreon. That dirty bastard. You need to travel back to 1986 again and this time you need to stop Deadman. The fate of the world oh depends God. upon it. Let's do it. This is the perfect window to do this. Let's keep going with it again. Okay. Keep going with it. Podbot, what are we going to do? Here, use this. The blue drive. It's a time travel device. Here, you Okay. I, I'm not I'm not touching that fucking thing. Why are you taking off your clothes? You don't have to be naked to go back in time. I thought this was the Terminator rules. We have to be completely naked. Well, I suppose if, if you're going to get naked, I may as well do it as well. <laughs> well that's Hurry, we don't have much time. Commando the shit. We don't need to grease us up. That's fine. <laughs> Enter the episode number and go. Episode 47. Here we oh, go. Look the crack. Did we see more? Oh, I forgot to wear my fucking transporter nappy. You have to Whoa, wear your nappy, oh, Will. No. We're over there. I'm dripping on it. Bad. I'm exposed. Yeah, yes, Podbot, we copy. What do we do? Will, go ahead, Podbot. You must stop Deadman from changing the timeline. How, though? Do not What's going on? With your past what do we need to do? Uh, listen. Travel through time. All of your atoms are temporarily charged. Atoms are charged. What? That makes sense. Until he's slapped back into his own time. Are you taking the piss? How many times are we supposed to slap him? 1,936. <laughs> Fuck off, I'll be here all day. Bad idea to get greased up, wasn't it? A really bad idea to get greased yeah, up. Yeah, but you look good, though. Oh, Jesus. Oh. <laughs> well, that's handy. He slipped on your grease. I'm after slipping in shite. Oi. Captain. Uh-huh. You've got... Mm, very fast. <laughs> That's the lighting. Commander Will, you don't have your bathtub with you. And you're naked. You've got your number. Why are you commenting on me being naked? Like, you know, it's just that's the way you travel well, when you're traveling through time. You have it. to be naked. Why aren't you leave naked? Well, I'm he's just not more, you're the one who's out of place. There's two of us naked. There's one of he's you not unnaked. You freak. Me or him? What's going on? What's going on is that we left you here to rot. And instead, you spent the last 30 years getting back at us by changing history, making millions, and ripping us off. What? What? I see. So you left me here deliberately. What about it? Well, 
You gotta watch yourself for that fat bastard. Don't you talk to Will. He works for me. Yeah. Will, you know what to do. Whoa! Go on, Come on. Go for the hair. Come on. Reef it. That's it. Why are you so greasy? You have to grease up if you're time traveling. Oh, yeah. Come on, we'll go for the boy. Take him in the nuts. Get up. Get up and fight me like a bitch. This is Will. what you get. Take him in the nuts. Get up. Get up. Get up. Perfect. Fatality. Ow. Here we go. Jesus. Hell, that was good. Let me add him. First of many. Don't. I don't want to, but your face makes me want to. Don't, don't, please. I've got nothing to live for. Back in hand. Take that. Take that. Take that. Another one. Oh, beat a load of physics, goddammit. Oh, I could do this all day long. Open pan, Open pan. Oh, yeah, yeah. I feel the sound coming out. Yes, I that's going too far. Here we go. And we're off! Fucking hell, that's right. Did you have to use the shovel? Can I take a trophy? Uh, I'm not going to stop you. You can take whatever you want. Please, take one of those underpants. <laughs> Actually, take two. <laughs> Extra stretchy elastic. That's I remember now. I remember I came back the last time to get a pair of underpants because I tore the arse out of the other pair. So get me, get me a few pairs there. Right, let's go. We got to go back to what episode was it? It's episode fifty-three, I think. Oh, the one we were on. I think it was. Yeah. Episode. No, it's fifty-two. All right, let's go. Fifty-three. Where are, Where are we? we outside this concert hall? You, Egypt. You're at the live taping of episode 53. Oh, you fucked up, Kevin. Oh, it's the shit. real episode with Steven Spielberg as special guest. <gasps> what? See uh, mountains and cactus, but you would see them, you know, just, just like, a, like, 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 French impressionism. It was just Shh. there and gone. Wow. Just, you know, a blur. Um, What's that? And then he would invite people over the house to watch these things. <laughs> so I took over the camera and I began God, to make gorgeous. little stories about it's our. like you've got work Propensity to camp. <laughs> Steve, I know you've conquered filmmaking. Ooh, did Steve. you ever think about moving into podcasting? Not until this moment. <laughs> I'm friends with Steve. That gets a round of applause. Please, the Yeah, okay. But just let me soak this in for one moment. The adoration. Steve, as a fellow BAFTA winner, what was it like winning your BAFTA? Very good question. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you love Jaws? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, fuck this. Well done, lads. Welcome back. We had Steven Spielberg on the podcast as a guest. Sorry, lads, because you've changed the past. That future okay. episode now no longer exists. Oh, so no, Papa. That's, that's terrible. It's an alternate timeline. Yes. Oh, no. Whose episode was it, Potbot? It was a Will episode. Oh, that's all right. I don't mind. <laughs> that's grand. Oh. Right, back to episode oh, 52. So, Will, my oh. pick for best 
time travel scene is going to be one that I've not talked about before. Right. And it's a scene in a movie that I love. And it's when right. Superman flies back around the world, <laughs> turning back I you time mention Superman. <laughs> to save the love of his life. It's my favorite scene. And that wraps up best time travel scenes. Oh my God, we did it. <laughs> we can do this. Over I don't know how. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Oh God. <laughs> but I love the serendipity of that happening. I lo- I genuinely love. That was just perfect. Kind of once that happened, you have to you have to embrace, chase that fish, just chase that fucking fish. I'll fix it. I'll fix it in post. I'll fix it in post. Fix it. Um, time travels. <laughs> right. Okay. So that that'll do. Time travels in the bag. All right. No, very good. Let's spin the wheel. I am thrilled to bits that the next episode is you. I am so glad too because there's no time machinery <laughs> say that. to get involved. Uh, but it's good fun. Good fun. It is not. Okay. It's also tragic to actually see an alternate universe. Alternate, I can't say alternate. An alternate universe where we were incredibly successful. And now we've chosen this path. So I think we're the better. We're the better for choosing the current path that we're on. We are. Okay, I'm going to spin the wheel for you, Will, and I, I can't wait to fig. To, I can't wait to find out what episode 53 will be. Here we go. Ooh. It's a Spielberg live a live show with Spielberg. And the next episode is best undercover scene. Okay, that's bringing us back to Earth. Abyss. So get Spielberg I'm, for that. It'll be nice to have him on the pod again. He had Spielberg once. That's all I can say. That's all I'm at Spielberg came to. And he actually came to Cork, which was mad. He did. The Cork Arena as well, which oh. hasn't been built yet. That's amazing. <laughs> Best on the cover scene next episode. Listen, if you enjoy these episodes, please rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast episodes. Yeah. Trick the algorithm and give us a nice rating and review. We will thank you forever for doing that for us and we're also on Patreon where we put out bonus shows mm-hmm. and uh, so if you want more of our tomfoolery on a regular basis come on join us on the Patreon they're actually good episodes and we talk about what we're watching currently and other shit that's happening in our lives but for now we'll bid you adieu I love adieu I fucking adore adieu just that with some Croutons. And some deja vu. It's gorgeous. Deja vu. Oh, yeah. Deja vu. You, you, you wouldn't want to have them in the same course, but definitely, you know, they, they really complement each other. Well, Kevin. Did you ever get deja vu? I've ordered it a few times. I, I love <laughs> it in chicken flavor. <laughs> okay. Right. I'll see you. Right. Good luck. Take care. The Best Bits Podcast is produced by Will and Kevin. All audio clips and music heard in this episode is the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider becoming a Patreon member where you'll receive bonus shows where we talk about recent releases and what we're up to. And you'll receive access to our Discord chat room where we hang out with our listeners. Search the Best Bits Podcast on Patreon or click on the link in the show notes. And here is a clip from the lad's latest mini bits bonus show. The full episode, plus 100 more, are available on their Patreon. Fuck off. <laughs> Talk to you, you stupid cunt. The best thing.
As fuck with Kevin Lee Hand. How are you, Will? I'm excellent. How are you? I'm grand. Did you like that theme tune? I love that theme tune. It might have been my favourite so far. Uh, <laughs> I think it was as well. <laughs> definitely, I'd say it's definitely your favourite. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I was at one of the great Irish traditions at the weekend. My niece's communion down at Cork. Cork. Go on. I can't wait. Well, I want to say this, right? Kevin just slips limply. <laughs> I said to my I, I said to my daughter uh, in school on Monday mornings they do news. What's your news, right? Nudes and bio. And my my daughter said she kept my picture up from school, and she said um, I said did you do your news today? And she says yeah, but I didn't really get to say much of what I wanted to, to tell him. You know, so she wanted to tell him about the trip down to Cork, like you know. And as it has Is this the, just a ploy for the teacher to get all the gossip about the kids? Yeah. I think all the teachers do it. All the teachers get their children to do news on a Monday morning and they just get all the gossip. My mum and dad were reefing the head off each other on Saturday night <laughs> and on Sunday they went for dinner to make up. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> Carmel, do you have any news? My dad crashed the car again. <laughs> Let me tell you, right? So Ellie said to me, she said, no, I didn't really get to say much, like, you know. And I went, oh, well, thank God, like, you know. But then as it turned out, it turned out she said everything. She was like going, oh, we talked about, you know, your, I, I, I said, well, thank God you didn't get to tell me about my, my shaving foam exploding in my, in my changing bag. She says, oh, I did get to tell him that. I was like, oh, right. Okay. Well, did you tell him about, you know, your, your cousin, you know, the girl who was getting her communion, breaking her leg the night before the communion? Oh yeah. I told her, told him that as well. I was like, okay, right. Did you tell him about, <laughs> did you tell him? So turns out, turns out that my, go on. <laughs> at the last communion, at the last communion, right. They had a photographer, a, a photographer came over and took photographs and right. Listen, 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 I can see he wants to cut in, but let me just finish this and I'll be, I'll get off it. We'll start the timer. As we kind of got together for timer a photograph started. with me and my niece, no, hold on, with my niece, right. He drops the camera, right. He drops the camera and he says to me, love the podcast. And I was, what? <laughs> he just, Another fella yeah. said that to you. Well, it was the same guy who said, remember I, t- I said two years ago. Is he still listening? Nieces. I don't know if he's Fucking still listening. Oh, well, he said it to me two years ago, so he pr- he's probably not listening anymore. Are we on a delay? <laughs> I don't know. I think we might be because we're tripping over each other. Okay, let's let's uh, hang up and join again. How does that sound? This sounds fantastic. Welcome to the best bits Patreon. Give us money. 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 Hello, Will. How are you? Hi. It's great to get on mic for another mini bits. Yeah. Raw. Raw. Does that seem better? That does seem better. Listen, oh, I've okay. seen a load of stuff. Let's start the timer. Okay. I saw Monkey Man. I saw Civil War. I saw Conor Brian Must Go. Sugar, mm-hmm. Fallout, Ripley, the Steve Martin documentary. Ton of stuff. L- yeah. la- late Night with the Devil. I keep wanting to say Last Night with the Devil. Baby Reindeer. The Jinx has come back. So I want to talk about all of those with you. So that's what we're going to talk about. And yeah. for those who aren't on 
the Patreon. Bye-bye. <laughs> Good luck. Tough luck. <laughs>